Howard's coming up now to share uh, the message on Psalm 88. Let's just pray for him as he comes. Father, we do thank you for the Psalms. We thank you for the experience of uh, those people living back in those days, um, many of whom suffered um, and some rejoiced. And Father, as um, Howard shares Psalm 88 with us this morning, we pray that you would um, just flow through him by your spirit. May we hear you speaking to us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. We're doing um, a series looking at the Psalms as being songs in the key of life, and uh, they are very real, and uh, Psalm 88, uh, when I first thought about uh, preaching on it, I, I wasn't aware that uh, the All Blacks would lose, so um, it seems highly appropriate today, doesn't it? <laughs> but, uh, and also if you've heard, if you heard me preach on this in the evening service a couple of weeks ago, well, you're going to hear it again. <laughs> And you know, we might be more used to the idea of darkness as a friend from Simon and Garfunkel's classic, The Sound of Silence, with its opening line, Hello darkness, my old friend, I've come to talk with you again about a vision that was then the closing line of the psalm. But that is exactly how Psalm 88 finishes with the psalmist saying, darkness, darkness is my only friend. Paul Simon is Jewish and would have grown up with the Psalms as his songbook. So when he says, hello darkness, my old friend, he's talking about a Psalm 88 moment. But this Psalm, according to Ian Blakelock, is the saddest and darkest Psalm in the whole Psalter. It's one wail of sorrow from beginning to end. You could say that from go to woe, well, it's all just woe. Another commentator says its uniqueness is in its bleakness. Psalm 88 is unmatched in its tone of darkness and despair. The only glimmer of light is the first line, Lord, you are the God who saves me. And it's kind of like the last comforting rays of the sunset before the long dark night envelops the psalmist as he waits for God. Yet, you know, Psalm 88 is as canonical as Psalm 23. It's as real an experience of God as Psalm 150 with its crescendo of joyous praise. And one of the amazing things that the Psalms does is that the whole of human existence is raised up before God. It's as if it's a gift that we have, that the whole of life is brought together and raised up before God. As such, it's proper that one should contain a record of an hour so dark that no relief comes. And from the introduction to the Psalm, we see that it was put to a tune it was a song that was designed for corporate worship. Boy, wouldn't that really sort of be a real downer to start a worship service? Uh, but it was meant not only to be a personal expression of suffering and waiting for God to act, but as a corporate one as well. Drawing to get people together to acknowledge a shared pain, a shared longing, a shared disquiet. And you know, I could imagine the exiles by the rivers of Babylon sitting and singing this sort of psalm as they wept. 
and as they remembered Zion. And it reverberates with the cry of people who have suffered oppression down through the ages. It is the wail of slaves in chains, the lament of the oppressed, the pain of the bereft. It is that intersection of spirituals and the blues. And Bono, the lead singer to U2, calls the Psalms the Jewish blues. And you know, it echoes the cries of people of faith who have wrestled with unanswered prayer. In the midst of running an international prayer movement, the 24-7 prayer movement, Pete Gregg's wife suffered a serious medical problem, and it seemed no amount of prayer and medical assistance could help. And Pete Gregg found himself in the midst of, you know, just leading thousands around the world in prayer, finding himself struggling himself with unanswered prayer. And he wrote a book about this experience called God on Mute. And in it, he includes an appendix called Heroes of the Faith and Unanswered Prayer. And it lists quotes from biblical and historical heroes of the faith as they have wrestled with suffering and the seeming silence of heaven. Missionary to China, Hudson Dean, on hearing about the massacre of 58 of his missionaries and 21 of their children. I cannot read. I cannot think. I cannot even pray, but I can trust. St. John of the Cross said, The dark night of the soul is this time of dryness. In this time of dryness, spiritual people undergo great trials. They believe that spiritual blessings are a thing of the past and that God has abandoned them. Mother Teresa, I feel that God does not want me, that God is not God that God does not exist. C.S. Lewis, reflecting on the death of his wife, what every prayer and every hope is the memory of all the prayers Joy and I offered and all the false hopes we had. Step by step, we were led up the garden path. Time after time, when he seemed most gracious, he was really preparing the next torture. You know, but these people are heroes of the faith. They are people of great faith. And if we are honest as followers of Jesus in a good but fallen world, that Psalm 88 is our song as well. Not that we will have lost our faith, that we do not trust God. It's not that the Christian life is not full of light and joy, but that some stage in our spiritual journey there is a good chance that we have found ourselves in that dark place of Psalm 88. I know from my own life, that's true. And I know that for many of you, that's true as well. You know, and perhaps that's not what you've come to church this morning on a labor weekend to hear. Or just maybe it struck a nerve. Because you see, Psalm 88 is raw and it's real. Now, the psalm, is, the psalm comes from a place where there seems to be no simple answer. It's part of the wisdom literature in Hebrew scriptures that wrestles with the question of evil. Why bad things happen to good people? It has many similarities with the book of Job. The psalmist is sick and facing death and disaster. He feels, like Job did, that God is unjustly turned away from him. And he finds no comfort in friends and neighbours. In fact, they simply add to his suffering. 
And while there are good theological answers to the question of suffering and evil, in the end, God's people resort to poetry and to song to bring out the depths of their suffering and pain. The psalm was written by He-Man the Israelite. And when I read that, I couldn't help but think of another He-Man. The Masters of the Universe was a range of uh, toys put out by Mattel in the 1980s. In fact, Mattel um, were uh, offered the opportunity to make uh, toys for a, a little, little known um, science fiction movie, uh, and they turned it down. Uh, the science fiction movie, I think you might have heard of it, it's called Star Wars. They turned it down, so they had to come up with something that would sell and compete with Star Wars stuff, and so they came up with uh, Masters of the Universe, and uh, it was the... First uh, range of toys that a comic book, an animated TV show, and a film were written around and produced specifically to market the toy. And the key hero was He-Man. And his catch cry was, I have the power! And he was unrealistically muscled and was marketed as the strongest man in the universe able to battle evil and injustice in his own strength, or at least with the help of a magic sword. But you know, that's a plastic toy. That is a made-up myth. Maybe the first ever myth of Western consumerism simply to sell products. It's not a reality. And we can end up trying to have that plastic, unreal faith with no substance and death, unless we're willing to go through Psalm 88 moments. But our faith is real, and there are times in our lives and situations that leave us perplexed and feeling like our prayers simply echo off the ceiling and go no further than our voice can carry. Times when the gates of heaven feel shut and our prayers mockingly bounce back from the ceiling. And we're used to hiding our doubts and our questions, our wondering about the power and the goodness of God. But we need to be willing to be Having a Psalm 88 moment. No, I. There we go. No, it isn't. I. Maybe one of the things this psalm does is allow us to know that we're not alone in our wrestling with God. We are not alone in facing seemingly insurmountable difficulties. We are not alone in feeling alone and unloved. We are not alone in still having faith and trusting in God, even in the face of what may seem like God's absence. We're not alone in the darkness. You know, it's been the history of people of faith down through the ages. 
Walter Brueggemann speaks of three sorts of psalms. Psalms of orientation. Psalms of praise when everything is great and makes sense. They're those wonderful happy clappies. Then he speaks of psalms of disorientation, the laments. And then reorientation, psalms of deep trust and faith. And 88 is a psalm of disorientation, when what we believe about God does not equate with what we are experiencing. As you too say in their song, Peace on Earth, which was written in response to the Armagh bombings in Ireland, what do you do when hope and history won't rhyme? And the psalmist sums it up well in verse 7 by saying, you have overwhelmed me with all of your waves. You get the picture of going out to the beach and going out into the water and suddenly a big swell comes through and you get picked up by wave after wave and turned round and spun round and round till you're struggling for breath and you just can't find a way up. 